Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Pour out your spirit of wisdom and understanding that our hearts and minds may be opened to all you have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Following our scripture reading, there will be a brief moment of silence. But our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Let us listen now for the word of the Lord. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today we're wrapping up a series on the book of Colossians. And in our scripture this morning, we hear Paul's last words in his letter to the church of Colossae. His final instructions, it's kind of like he's signing off. So, you know, when you sign off a letter, you kind of have to sum everything up and make sure they get the really big points before you, before you say goodbye, right? So this is where we are right now. It should come as no surprise that he ends it similar to the message which Jesus himself left the disciples with, to make disciples of all nations. Now, he didn't say that in those exact words, but that's basically what he's getting at. So Paul's taking after Jesus. He learned from the best, and he's ending it with one of the most important parts of our mission. The church is not a place to go. It is a mission to which we belong and to which, in which we participate. You've heard me talk about Reformation and the true meaning of the word uh, not too long ago. And it means to go back to the beginning, to be reformed. Hopefully you remember me saying that if you were here. Paul's final instructions for the Colossians and for us are to go back to the beginning to the true mission of the church to proclaim the mystery of Christ. When there's any doubt where we're going to go from where we are right now, no matter how discombobulated the world is, on any given day or in any given generation, we can never go wrong taking it to God in prayer to find out where we go from here. That's one of the reasons that we continue to study our faith and to study the word is to to figure out what's the next step to grow, to further God's mission on earth. So uh, raise a hand. Who watched the Super Bowl this year? Raise a hand. A good many of us. Okay. Now raise a hand. Who heard about the He Gets Us advertisements that appeared during the Super Bowl? Raise a hand. Okay, some of us, not all of us, more of us watched the Super Bowl than recognized that, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> Maybe you were getting a snack during the commercials. So, He Gets Us is an advertisement 
campaign, um, it's a company that does these advertisements that are religiously oriented, okay? And during the Super Bowl, they had two advertisements. They spent millions of dollars for these two advertisements. Uh, and it's been getting a lot of attention, a lot of attention. Um, so one of them was foot washing. It was a series of two, two different individuals washing each other's feet. Uh, obviously, that is familiar to us, right? Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. It is something that church people throughout all generations have been doing um, to emulate what Jesus did for his disciples. And then there was another one called God Loves Our Enemies, and it was just showing people, uh, just showing hate for one another. And the point was that Jesus loves even those people that we hate, right? Because we're not, it's not about us. So when I say it's been getting a lot of attention, it's um, news people have been talking about it. It's been all over Facebook, Instagram. People are discussing it everywhere. Our Theology on Tap group talked about it Monday night. Uh, Rob talked about it with our session also on Monday night. So it's getting a lot of buzz. And in it, when, when you look at like foot washing and loving, you think about Jesus and going back to the beginning. These advertisements showed servanthood. It showed loving other people. It showed humility and just being humble before somebody who's different than us. Jesus himself dined with the unexpected. He dined with sinners. He dined with tax collectors. He dined with prostitutes. And there was controversy in that, right? The Pharisees said, how dare you eat with these sinners? You're supposed to be eating with us. Our, our, we are just these very amazing religious people. Why are you over there with those sinners? The Pharisees hated it. They hated that Jesus did that. And so, likewise, there has been controversy in these he gets us advertisements. Um, th there's a New York Times article that highlighted uh, basically what you're seeing and hearing everywhere, and the controversy behind it. So some of the problems that people have had with these. Uh, number one, money. Okay, they spent millions of dollars to air these advertisements for a very short period. And the problem people are finding with this is that they say, well, if you can spend this money on this, why, haven't you, why aren't we using it to feed the hungry instead? But that just like anything else, is an age-old question that comes from biblical times. The same thing happened when people, when, you know, they're pouring oil, the expensive oil on Jesus' feet, and people were saying, why are you wasting this oil? You could use that oil to feed the, that money to feed the hungry. And Jesus said, that's not the point, right? There's different ways of being hungry. There's different ways of serving. Feeding the hungry is super important. We do that here as a congregation frequently, but there's also feeding people's souls, sharing the word, sharing the message of Jesus Christ. So people have complained, okay, they should have used this money elsewhere. Apparently they have a lot of money though, right? <laughs> Another one is, um, and, and this comes from the farther, further left side, that the people who funded the advertisement tend to be to also fund things that maybe they feel are contrary to the message. So the foot-washing couples, the duos that they showed in each clip, were um, they had um, a police officer washing a black man's feet. 
they had a mother washing her daughter's feet outside of an abortion clinic, or what I assume is to be her mother. It could just be a woman. Um, they have a woman who I would think is a daughter washing the feet of her mother with um, empty alcohol bottles all around her. And so what the far left is saying is that because they were funded by far-right people and they think that far-right people, the liberals think far-right people hate people, other people. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> so you had a man washing the feet of um, what appeared to be a gay man. Okay, and so one of the major funders of this advertisement is the, um, the head of Hobby Lobby. And so they say, oh, well, you, he funds anti-LGBTQ organizations. So he's contradicting himself. So these are the conversations that are happening, right? Agree, disagree, whatever. These are the conversations. Then on the other side, so you think, oh, okay, these people have a problem with it. But you might be surprised to find that the far right also had a problem with it because they thought it was, they were heretical because it wasn't actually condemning sin. They said, well, how dare you wash the feet of these sinners without telling them they're sinning? And then, of course, you have people in the middle who are like, why is this a problem? Why are you finding such a hard problem with showing how Jesus served and loved people, despite all of the difference of opinions? So for, these, for this, this group, he gets us, God opened a door for them to reach a large audience, and they used it to proclaim the mystery of Christ. And I am sure that they thought they were proclaiming it clearly because I feel like they went back to the beginning. They went back and showed things that Jesus himself did while he was here living on this earth. I can assume that they prayed about it beforehand, how they were going to portray these things. And we all face this sometimes, just not such a large, to such a large scale. Uh, have you ever tried to teach someone something and had it blow up in your face? Yeah, so I, I mean, I have. I can't think of a, per, a specific example, but as a Christian, I've tried to do or something and had it come back on me, and it always surprises me because I, I'm coming from a good, I feel like I'm coming from a good place. I feel like I'm having a good heart in what I'm teaching, and sometimes it comes back on me, and people are angry, or they, they lash out at you, or they say, who do you think you are? And I think a lot of times it's because we're not speaking the same language. So if it's, com it's coming from a good place, but it's also coming from a different place. I just didn't realize it. Paul tells us to be wise about how we act toward outsiders and to know how to answer everyone. So while the message of Christ is always the same, how we articulate it changes depending on whom we are speaking. So I want you to hear that again. The message doesn't change, but how we talk about it does. How we, the, the approach that we approach individual people changes. So are you talking to a child or are you talking to an adult? Children do not understand things on the same level that adults do. So you have to tailor the message, not the content, but the how. Are you talking to a Christian or a non-Christian? If you're talking to a Christian who has a faith background, there are certain key words that they know that when you use them, they will understand what you're saying. If you're talking to a non-Christian who did not grow up in a church, did not grow up in a, children, a Christian household, 
and you start using Christian language, actual words that we learn and use in church on a weekly basis, they're not going to know what you're talking about. Every person is different. Our histories, our family backgrounds, our ethnicity, where we come from in, within our country. I'm from Michigan, okay? Your southern language was different to me when I came down here. It's not the same. It's not, not neither one's good or bad. They're just different, and you have to learn how to speak the language. When you don't consider to whom you are talking, include... When you don't consider to whom you're talking, you run the risk of scaring people away. You run the risk of being responded to with blank stares. So if you ever said something to someone and they just kind of look at you like you're crazy, it's because they don't understand. You run the risk of being on the receiving end of contempt. So um, maybe you are good at sports. Maybe you're not. Let's say you're going to a football game and you've never been to a football game. You've never watched a football game. You've never known anybody who played football. And all of a sudden, you're talking to the coach. And the coach is telling you all this stuff about the football game. He's talking about quarterbacks and touchdowns and touchbacks. And if you have never, ever experienced football, you don't know what he's talking about. And God talk is the same way. Uh, ROTCs, Samuel's in ROTC, so sometimes we talk about things there. I have had to learn the language of ROTC to understand what is going on. If you do not have a military background, you don't get it until you experience it and walk through it. God talk is the same way. If we are going to reach people, we have to speak their language. We are the insiders in here. People who are not Christian, who do not go to church, they're not outsiders in a bad sense. They're outsiders in the fact that we might make them feel like outsiders if we don't try to help them understand. I think because the He Gets Us advertisements reach such a wide audience, the backlash was inevitable. So many different people would see it through their different lenses and their different contexts. There's no way to tailor a message individually when you're reaching wide. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit works through our efforts and God reaches people despite whatever hiccups in our methods that the world may perceive. So we need to still try. Whether we agree or disagree with a person on any given topic or choice, it does not change the message, just maybe how we speak about it. And when we do speak the message to them, Paul reminds us to do so with grace. The grace of God that is his free to us gift despite our sin. What we do does not change that God has given us his grace. It does not change that the mystery of Christ is for us. It is for the people that you're going to go talk to when you leave here. If you don't like how someone else is doing it, all these people who are complaining about these advertisements, if they don't like how they're doing it, then they can go and do it differently. Because there's a way for each of us to do this. We all have special gifts. Some of us have millions of dollars to spend. Some of us can walk down the street and have no money to spend. But it doesn't matter because God reaches people through us. 
So we went to Winter Jam on Friday, a bunch of us, the teens and the young adults, whoop, whoop. and uh, Lecrae sang a song called Tell the World. Now Lecrae might not be some of y'all's cup of tea, but I found it really inspiring because he says it's all about saying, tell the world that I am made new. Tell the world about Jesus. And what he says that really struck me was, I'm a billboard. You are a billboard for Christ. Talking about him, acting like him, or not acting like him, if you're not doing it quite right. What you display speaks volumes. You are a walking billboard. That's why Rob always says, um, if you are a bad driver, please don't put a Cherokee Presbyterian sticker on your car. (laughs) Because it reflects badly on the rest of us. Jesus doesn't want us to be a bad billboard. He wants us to be a good billboard to proclaim his mystery and his goodness and his love everywhere that we go. So what do you do when you leave here? Well, first, Paul will remind us first and foremost that we are called to pray. This doesn't mean a one and done. Paul says, devote yourself or continue steadfastly. It takes effort and, yes, time. But if there's anything we need in this world right now, it's prayer. Prayer to connect more deeply with the spirit of the living God. Prayer to have our eyes open to the needs of others. Prayer to have doors open to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Prayer that as we seek to proclaim the mystery of Christ to others, that we will do it clearly, effectively, and with great love, making the most of every opportunity. Don't let those chances slide jump in there. So number one's pray. Number two, seek wisdom. God's wisdom. God knows your heart and God knows the hearts of all his people. We can do nothing apart from him. We can, God can and will guide us on how to answer everyone. So seek his wisdom before you share the good news with somebody. Pray to him. Talk to him. Say, this person is on my heart, and I want to share this good news. Help me to find the best way to do that, to speak clearly to this person so that they can hear it. And then number three, go look for those open doors. And it, it always comes down to this, right? Our faith is a missional faith. Our church is a missional church. According to Paul Hooker, in a publication for the Presbyterian Church, he says this, Missional ecclesiology, the missional church, is a way of understanding the church. It begins with the missio dei, God's own self-sending in Christ by the Spirit to redeem and transform creation. In a missional ecclesiology, the church is not a building or an institution, but a community of witness called into being and equipped by God and sent into the world to testify to and participate in Christ's work. Our faith is one of action. Prayer, it always starts with prayer, but you have to move to action. That New York Times article I talked about earlier, um, the author of it stated, there's a difference between declaring your faith and demonstrating your faith. And that declarations without demonstrations are worthless. You might better recognize a similar sentiment from James. Faith without works is dead. 
I know you are busy. I haven't watched a single episode of Gossip Girl in four days. What is the world coming to? But this world is too precious to let it go stale. Paul urges us to be seasoned with salt because when we are, we enhance the world. We bring out its flavor, the amazing God flavor of the earth that he created. When we don't season it with salt, we might as well throw it all in the trash like the sandwich you let sit out for too long or like the plate of french fries you tried to eat with no salt in an effort to be healthier. Be salty in your everyday interactions. Make an effort to proclaim the mystery of Christ and be intentional about it, asking God for his help. If you don't, you're not fulfilling the mission that God gave to you, each one of you. The world, God's world, is worth praying for. It is worth our time, and it is worth learning someone else's language so you can proclaim the mystery of Christ to them. If not you, then who? To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.